and uh, welcome to the first Berg Bite of 2024. Even though Berg is now known as HR Policy Global Europe, we've decided to stay with the Berg Bite name for these podcasts. HR Policy Global Europe Bite just doesn't have the same ring about it, does it? So we stay with Berg Bite. And you know, things are happening and happening fast. I wrote some notes for this podcast and one of my notes said that the Artificial Intelligence Act, which indeed was agreed just before Christmas between the Council, the Parliament and uh, the Commission, process known as the Trialogue, that it was at risk because President Macron was unhappy about it. He thought maybe it might be strangling European AI companies at birth. So I wrote the note to say that the AI Act might be at risk. Went off, came back to find that the ambassadors of the 27 EU member states, who are known as the PERM reps, agreed the AI Act this afternoon. It's clear from the reports that the French are still unhappy, but then the French are always unhappy and generally unhappy with everything, you know. But it looks like that we now have an AI Act. Once the legalities of cleaning up the text and translating it into all of the languages and so on uh, are done over the next month or two, then it will gradually start to come into force. And suddenly we now have a governance uh, for AI in Europe and perhaps a bit like the GDPR would begin to act as a, a model or as a template for the rest of the world. So there you go. You know, things move fast. You think it's going to go one way, you go out, come back, you find it's gone another way. But just before Christmas, the Council, the Commission and the Parliament, in a series of trialogue negotiations, reached a number of tentative agreements that are of some significance. Just mentioned the AI Act, so we won't go back to that again. They reached an agreement on the employment status of platform workers, and they reached an agreement on Corporate Sustainability Due Diligence Directive. These deals were done in late night negotiations and doing deals in late night negotiations is never the best thing in the world because the next morning, you know, the deal you thought you did at two o'clock in the morning may not look as good as you thought it did at two o'clock in the morning. And again, the French objected immediately to the platform deal that was steered through by the then Spanish presidency of the Council of Ministers. In its eyes, the wording of the deal that was done was such that practically everybody who works for a platform company as a courier, you know, delivering food or whatever else, driving an Uber taxi, would all be rebranded as an employee, whether they wanted to be an employee or not, or whether they wanted to stay as self-employed. So the French took the lead in opposing the platform directive and 11 to 12 other countries, member states, jumped in behind it. Such was the opposition that it wasn't even put to a vote in the Council of Ministers. Uh, it looks like that the Spanish had overshot the mark, uh, had gone outside the boundaries of their mandate and had delivered a deal that they couldn't sell to their major stakeholder, the Council of Ministers. The Belgian presidency is now trying to see what can be salvaged from this wreck. And the latest word is that consideration has been given to splitting the platform workers directive into two. Uh, one directive would focus on the employment status of platform workers and would probably be kicked down the road uh, until after 
the European Parliament elections in June. The second directive would be on the information and consultation of platform workers and or their representatives when it comes to the use of artificial intelligence and algorithms in human resource decision making around you know hiring, firing, allocation of work, allocation of payments and so on. So we may end up with two platform workers directives, one on the algorithm stuff, uh, which could come fairly quickly. The second on employment status, which could be well down the road. Uh, but you know, it's highly unusual in Brussels for a trialogue agreement to be called into question because normally when the deal is done, the deal is done and then it gets nodded through by the parliament and by the council. And not only do we have one trialogue deal in jeopardy, the Platform Workers Directive, but it looks like we could have a second trialogue deal in jeopardy as well. And this time we're talking about the Corporate Sustainability Due Diligence Directive. Now, what is Corporate Sustainability Due Diligence Directive? Well, it's a piece of law that would impose an obligation on major multinational companies for the most part, but on many, many other companies as well, to make sure that they respected human rights environmental concerns and employment issues, and not only within their own company, but through their global supply chain. And so in other words, the lead company, the one at the top of the pile, would be responsible for making sure that not only within its own company, but its supplier companies as well, complied with human rights obligations, environmental policies, and so on. I've seen a draft of what was agreed you know, for somebody like myself who's used to sitting across the table in negotiations with works councils and trade unions and so on, to say that this legislation would be extremely difficult to implement is a bit of an understatement. When you look at some of the language in it, when you look at some of the obligations, you're talking about a major piece of work here and a, a piece of legislation that will require significant resources, even on the part of major companies, to get on top of it. Where's the opposition to this coming from? It's coming from the Free Democrats, the FDP, the Liberals in Germany, who say that it imposes undue burdens and obligations on business, and that in a set of economic, global economic circumstances where Europe uh, is under pressure, competitive pressure from China and the United States, the sort of burdens and obligations that the CSDDD, as it's known as, would impose on companies is just too much. So uh, will it go through? We don't know. Um, you know. The Free Democrats are just one part of the coalition government in Germany. The Two other parties, the Greens and the Social Democrats, uh, lean in favour of this directive. But the nature of German politics is such that the government will um, not vote on it in council. And in effect, that would be a no vote in practice. Will the Germans be prepared to expand political capital to kill this, to bring other countries with them? Not sure about that. Uh, we'll know in the next week or so. But... Whether the CSDDD goes through or not, you know, worth remembering that the you know, Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, a second directive, is now active. And it requires companies to report on 
their policies and how those policies are affecting, again, the same suite of issues, human rights, environmental concerns, employment matters, and so on. And companies within scope have to start collecting data this year for reporting in 2025. The funny thing about both the Platform Workers Directive and indeed the concern of the Free Democrats about the Corporate Sustainability Due Diligence Directive is that it's actually an outbreak of politics. In other words, people are saying we don't all see things the same way. We see things differently. We have different perspectives. And that's not necessarily a bad thing in our view. Sometimes it can seem that too many Brussels EU policy initiatives are driven by multinationals are inherently evil and must be constrained at every turn. In fact, and we work closely with many multinationals, in fact, the majority of multinationals are among the best employers that there are, offering decent pay and working conditions wherever they go. And they respect the law. Of course, there are bad apples, but there are bad apples everywhere. Our trade unions, NGOs, free of all blemishes. Have none of them ever fallen by the wayside? You know, let him who goes sin cast the first stone and all of that. So an outbreak of politics, arguments about what's the best way for European business to look at the future and be regulated for the future is to be welcomed. But of course, for many listeners of this podcast, the big event are the proposals from the European Commission for changes to the European Works Council Directive. Now, the reason we have proposals from the Commission is that the social partners, Business Europe and the ETUC, uh, were unable to agree to negotiate on the matter. ETUC, the European Trade Union Confederation, said no, it would prefer legislation. So what has the Commission proposed? The headline is the ending of what's known as Article 13 arrangements, the pre-existing agreements that existed before the 22nd of September 1996 that exempted companies with such an arrangement from the directive. There appears to be about 350 such companies. Commission is now saying time for every multinational with a European Works Council to be within the same legal framework. Will it go through the legislative process? Will that be endorsed by the Parliament? Certainly. Will it be endorsed by the Council of Ministers? That we'll have to wait and see. And there are other changes around the use of experts, around the timeline of first meeting for a special negotiating body, around training, for example. And existing EWCs and management with existing EWCs will have two years after the directive is adopted to bring their agreements into conformity with, with whatever is finally agreed. But despite requests from the European Parliament, EWCs will not be given the right to seek injunctions to block management decisions, nor will there be the imposition of GDPR size fines, you know, two, four percent of global turnover, and so on. So what happens next? Well, this directive will be considered by the Parliament, it'll be considered by the Council of Ministers. I suspect it'll be adopted either at the back end of this year or early next year, one-year transposition. So we shall see things move fairly fast. And finally, this week would appear to be the week where social dialogue is back. Now, those of you who've been around a long time 
will remember that one of the first things that Jacques Delors did when he became EU president back in the mid 80s was to initiate a process known as social dialogue, where he said to unions and employers, if you guys can agree among yourself on an issue, come to an agreement, then we could make that agreement law. This became known as the Val Duchesse, the shadow outside of Brussels where the meeting was held, the Val Duchesse social dialogue procedure. It was subsequently incorporated into the Maastricht Treaty. Did it work? Well, if you ask yourself the question over 30 odd years, what has it produced? It's produced four agreements. Two of them are on parental leave, one on part-time workers, one on fixed-term workers. There's lots of other bits and pieces that go with social dialogue, but in terms of what it was intended to do to initiate a process of European-level social dialogue, had it delivered? I don't think so. And if it hasn't delivered over the last 30-odd years, would it deliver over the next 30 years? Not so sure about that either. Now, of course, nobody objects to unions and employers getting together in a nice, comfortable meeting room, shaking one another's hands, having a bit of a chat, finishing off with a nice lunch. But does it change the world? Probably not. So, until the next time, when we come and talk to you on a bird bite, good luck for now. Music